Let me turn now to introduce Mr Laurent, who is currently the director of the Ramphal Institute and senior visiting fellow at King's College London. Um, prior to this, he has had a long and distinguished career in diplomacy and public service in a number of fields. He began his career in St Lucia's Ministry of Finance, later becoming permanent secretary of the Ministry of Trade, Industry and Tourism. He subsequently served in a number of diplomatic postings, including as ambassador to France, Germany and Belgium, permanent representative to the European Union, the World Trade Organization, Food and Agriculture Organization and the Organization for the Prohibition of Chemical Weapons, and was also special envoy of the heads of government of Dominica, St Lucia and St Vincent. He also served for seven years at the Commonwealth Secretariat, where he was head of international trade and regional cooperation. His recent work includes acting as senior advisor to UNEP's Green Economy Initiative for the Caribbean that sought to promote a holistic approach to sustainable development policy making and management, and an, an appointment as contract manager and quality controller of the recently concluded CARIFORUM capacity building programme in competition, procurement and customs and trade facilitation. He has written and published extensively on trade and development issues and in 2013 was awarded the St Lucia Cross for services to development. So I think if anyone can shed light on the mysteries of Brexit and the Caribbean, Mr Laurent is uniquely qualified to do so. So we're delighted to welcome him this evening and to hear his perspective on Brexit avoiding a Caribbean hangover. So welcome. Thank you very much, um, <laughs> Dr. Quinn, um, uh, for for the, for that um, that introduction. Uh, well, staff and um, well, faculty and students of UCL, ladies and gentlemen, it, it really is a privilege for me to be here to discuss this um, with you this this evening. The impact of Brexit on on the Caribbean. The, the title for this is, might seem a bit frivolous, of course, after all, but after all, it is, it is about livelihoods, so it is, it is more than that. The analogy, though, does have something to it, because like um, paying the price of overindulging, um, uh, in an alcohol-fueled night of fun, um, a headache the following day and the tummy ache um, is, is normal. So similarly to, to Brexit, the long campaign, the, ex the excitement, um, the promises, etc., um, are now that all of that is gone now, we are now facing the reality. And could it be then that you know, the, the, there is now the, the headache? Um, coming along. But unlike uh, that sort of hangover, which I'm sure most of you have never had, um, uh, the a Brexit hangover is not just felt by whoever enjoyed the drinks the night before, but, but by, by others, and that is where the the, the analogy ends. In fact, a, a better analogy would be one that is sometimes used by uh, some friends of mine which refer to um, the impact of these trade and economic changes on innocent bystanders. 
and it is one of the, the one of those groups of innocent bystanders that I want to deal with um, this evening, and I refer, of course, as you know, to to the to the Caribbean. Now, looking at the background, and let us just step back a little. Let us put everything in perspective. When UK voters opted on the 23rd of June last year to leave the EU, they would, of course, have been thinking not much further than what they considered to be in the best interest of their own country. Their decision has led, as we know, of course, to the invocation of Article 50 of the Treaty of Lisbon that has triggered the actual withdrawal process and has set in train the two-year period for negotiating the terms of exiting the EU on the 29th of, of March uh, 2019. The UK's post-Brexit relationship with the EU and also the rest of the world will have to be worked out, and the nature of that relationship and the range of other relationships actually cannot now be predicted and will have to be subject to the UK's and the EU's internal deliberations as well as their negotiations with each other as well as other international players. Whatever the precise outcomes and the particular scenario that will emerge, the UK's leaving the EU will have major consequences way beyond its shores, as I've already suggested, with economic repercussions felt worldwide and most acutely in the Caribbean. This is because Caribbean life and prospects since early colonial times, as many of, as many of you here, our, our historians know, have been entwined with what went on in Europe and the UK through the interminable wars over the centuries, the imperial competition often fought out in the, in, in the region, and most consistently, transatlantic trade. When the UK joined the EEC in the, the then European Economic Community in, in 1973, the Commonwealth-wide system of trade preferences under which the English-speaking Caribbean had traded was supplanted two years later by the Lomé Convention, which provided unilateral trade preferences and long-term development assistance. That convention has evolved and was eventually replaced in 1990 by the 20-year Cotonou Agreement. The trading arrangements under that Cotonou Agreement have now been replaced in the case of the Caribbean by the CARIFORUM EU Economic Partnership Agreement, which was signed in October of 2008 and came into effect um, at the end of, of that year. It enables those Caribbean countries to freely export their products to the UK and the EU without duties and quotas. Unlike the previous um, Lomé and Cotonou arrangements, however, this trading arrangement is reciprocal. So similar access has to be offered to, the, to imports from the UK and, and the rest of, of Europe, and it is of indefinite duration. 
once the UK leaves the EU, of course, it will no longer be party to the EPA and will lose its rights whilst, of course, divesting itself of its obligations and under that agreement. But I will come back to that, um, that, that later. For the Caribbean to safeguard their interests and avoid becoming victims of Brexit, they, of course, need to understand what is, what is at stake. But let, let me try to unpack um, Brexit. But first of all, let's see, let's consider what is Brexit legally from a legal standpoint. At the end of the, of the Brexit process, that is um, two years, two years in, uh, after the, uh, the initiation of the, of the Article 50 process, all the treaties will cease uh, to apply, not just the, not just um, it's not just the EPA, but the UK's, uh, the, the whole range of its, um, of, of, of its, of its treaties. Um, there is a, a theoretical possibility, which has been discussed some time, of course, um, regarding the possible extension of that, that period for, for negotiating exit. My suspicion, though, is that the remaining 27 might be reluctant to agree to any extension in the deadline since this um, time pressure has given to the EU side an exceedingly valuable um, card in the negotiations, which it clearly has been using with um, with devastating effect in in my view in in the in the negotiations um, as far as the uk's third country trade relations are concerned it is now generally accepted initially there had been some doubt over this but this is accepted now that the uk cannot negotiate agreements before it has formally exited the EU. And in any event, most um, major players are waiting to see what the nature of the relationship will be with the EU before they would, want, they would seek to embark upon any, any arrangement um, with, the, with, the, with the UK. Um, I, I want to, as well to address what might be, um, there are two, two issues going on. And that what I've been referring to and what Article 50 has set in motion is the arrangements for the withdrawal. And that covers issues such as pensions, residency rights of the UK and um, EU nationals in, in each other, other's territory. The arrangements over trade and economic relations with the, between the UK and the EU are quite separate. Although they, and although, of course, a deal is desired by and in the interest of, of both sides, um, that is a separate set of, of discussions. Now, if there is no deal reached, 
by the 29th of March 2019, then trade will automatically revert to WTO terms. Um, it therefore, of course, would be preferable both to the UK and, and, and the rest of Europe um, to have an agreement in place covering trade and economic relations before such, such a period. But there is no obligation, actually, on the side of any of either of the two parties to negotiate that deal. And again, they're very skillful negotiators, they are, and um, Michel Barnier has, has, has long experience in this. Um, they, are, they, are, they are playing a, a game of, of brinkmanship. Uh, and in that game of brinkmanship, I think um, they are a bit, they probably, consider, I don't want to get into whether that is the, is the case or not, but they consider that uh, a WTO, a, a cliff edge, a w, where, where, where arrangements revert immediately after this, after the 29th of March to the WTO would be more damaging to the to the UK than to the EU as a whole. So whilst both sides might be bluffing, they are more confident and they, uh, they play this card much more, um, much more ruthlessly, one might, one, might, one might suggest. Now what are the consequences for the Caribbean? It's now been almost 40 years that a substantial proportion of the development assistance provided to the region by the UK has been via the EU. And even more importantly, during that period, its trade with the UK has been conducted within the regulatory and institutional framework of the EU. Under those EU-wide arrangements, the UK offers duty-free, quota-free access for most of Caribbean exports. Um, now, maybe just in terms of definition, I should, uh, uh, I, I will refer principally to those countries that belong to the CARIFORUM grouping, that is, those countries belong to CARICOM, the um, English-speaking, the Commonwealth members of the, of, of the Caribbean, um, Suriname, Haiti, and, and the Dominican Republic. I will not actually be referring to the, the wider, wider Caribbean. Anyway, under the um, current arrangements, as I mentioned before, the UK offers um, access to most of these countries' ex exports. And consequently, any replacement, um, any replacement of the arrangement following Brexit will have to offer those, um, those, those similar conditions. Now, as, as I'd mentioned, I'd, I want to unpack everything and, and, and deal first with, um, with trade. Trade between the, 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 these CARIFORM countries and the UK has been very... Um, 
very substantial for, for quite some time. And um, the UK is a, is, a, is a very important market. So is, of course, the, the, e, the EU. In 2015, the, the Cariforum region exported 3.4 billion, well, 3.5 billion um, US dollars to the, no, sorry, this is euro, to the, um, to, 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 to Europe. Now, of that, just under half a million, uh, uh, half a billion, that's 476 million was to the UK. That is 13% of the total. Now, uh, that figure uh, by itself uh, does not give, give the whole story. It's necessary to break this down because one, one, one sees when you break it down that there is, uh, is not an even spread of, of trade across, across the region and across sectors. You, we have, for instance, some of the, the most important um, um, components of the, of the figures to, the U, to Europe are ships, ships, boats, and other floating structures, for instance. That's the largest. That's 785 million. Now, that, I think, is um, based on this ship registry. So this, is, this does not reflect actual trade. Countries like the Bahamas, St. Vincent, Antigua have ship registries where they offer varying degrees of flags of convenience, and this enters into the trade data and it distorts the trade data. Then we've got the next item would be organic chemicals, mainly from Trinidad, where, where there's the processing, min mineral, mineral fuels, oils, distillates, etc. then inorganic chemicals. That is the, 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 the bulk of the exports to, uh, to the EU. On the other hand, in, for the UK, we see, although the, the amount is only 13%, it is spread over a different range of products, many of, those, many of which are the traditional exports, the most important of which is sugar. 100 and, um, say 160 million. Then, of course, you do have the inorganic chemicals, etc. Fruit, which would include um, bananas and so on, would be would be would be much um, lower down. And I, I have seen a, I have seen a Belizean friend here, so Belize accounts for quite a large amount of of, of that. Uh, for for some of the of the countries they do have a very disproportionate dependence on the, on the UK. Belize, for instance, and St. Lucia, so, so with Guyana and Jamaica. In the case of Belize, 73% of its exports to the UK, uh, to the EU, are to the UK. And for St. Lucia, 80% of its exports to the EU are of agro-based products, and 
its entire, 100% of its, its banana production is to the UK. In other Caribbean countries, there's, an, there's also an exceptionally high dependence on the UK market in particular sectors. For instance, Guyana and Jamaica have a very high dependence on the UK market for the sugar exports, 100% in the case of Guyana and 84% in the, in the case of, um, of, of um, Jamaica. The countries in, the, in order that have the highest dependence on the UK market as part of the exports to the, to the EU would be in, in that order I list. St. Lucia, Belize, Guyana, Jamaica, Dominica, and the Dominican Republic. Ironically, the country that exports the most to both the Europe and the, and the UK does not feature amongst those highly dependent on, on, um, on, on the UK market, and that is Trinidad and, and, and Tobago, because the bulk of its exports, as I indicated, are in um, the, the, the inorganic chemicals, mineral fuels, etc. Et, et now, the, the traditional trade in those, those commodities like, like sugar, bananas, etc., are enabled by EPA preferences, which help keep exports viable and competitive because high tariffs are maintained in, on exports, which some of the competitors of these countries do not have to pay. For Brexit not to damage Caribbean exports, preferential margins must be preserved. This will retain this will entail the retention of the duty and quota, and quotas where they exist on other, um, on, on other imports, but for which the Cariforum exports would not have to face. Now, bear with me, and I, I would want to discuss why preferences are important, because um, to a large extent in a lot of the intellectual discussion on, on trade, preferences are considered to be, um, to be in some ways backward and not always very popular. But I, I think it's important to understand why they, are, they actually enable trade to take place, trade that might not otherwise have taken place. The countries of the, of, of the Caribbean, in the, which produce the various um, traditional exports that I, I referred to, generally face greater production and distribution costs, which stem from a variety of constraints that are often beyond their control. Foremost amongst them is their small economic size, accompanied by a limited volume and range of resources. A major consequence of this is to limit the array of goods and services in which their production can achieve minimum production levels required for economic viability and to enable them to harness economies of scale if they are to become internationally competitive. They, as a result, are often 
heavily dependent for the income on just one or very limited range of agricultural commodities or service such as tourism. The economies are not diversified, and as an economist would tell you, um, an economy that is not diversified can have difficulties um, attaining sustainable growth and development. And since economies um, can gain by specializing and trading, their prospects are determined not just by the conditions on the domestic market, but by the terms under which they can sell internationally. Being able to sell abroad on a profitable basis has an additional importance for them because their internal markets, as I mentioned already, are so small and the income is, is so low that they, even if they produce, whatever they produce, they would be unable to sell um, advantageously on, on, the, on the domestic market. So they, they, they need to, to export. All of, of, of these factors um, un undermine um, competitiveness. However, when arrangements such as the EPA eliminate tariffs and other restrictions on the exports, but keep these tariffs on competitors, it can provide them with, marketing, with a marketing benefit where the differential is sufficiently great, it can even help them overcome the cost disadvantage and, and ensure the continued viability of the exports trade. Let me point out the obvious that the preferential margin is determined not just by the ability to trade duty-free and quota-free, but also the extent to which the tariffs and other restrictions faced by competitors are, are maintained. And this, of course, is probably a very controversial um, aspect, but it is essential for preferences to be, to be meaningful. Now I come to the, to, the, to the trade headache. As I've already pointed out, Brexit will end EPA preferences for Caribbean exports, and the replacement uh, arrangement will be, will be needed if trade is to continue. However, as I've said as well, the, e the UK cannot start talks until it has left, um, has left the, the EU in 2019. And even when it leaves, it will be fully taken up with um, trying to secure trade deals with major trading partners, such as the US, China, India, and others. So the challenge facing the Caribbean then will be to get, even to get the attention of the, of the hard-pressed um, UK um, negotiators. So the, 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 the challenge which the, which the Caribbean will face will be that exporters could have to pay full duties just as the lowest cost um, competitors. And this could price 
several of them out of the market. And even if afterwards um, preferential arrangements are in introduced, having, been, having lost their position on the market, several of them could very well um, not be able to reestablish themselves. And some of them might even have gone out of business altogether because they've, they've, they've been relying exclusively on, um, on access to, to that market. But are there other preferential arrangements that could be applied unilaterally by the, the UK post-Brexit, which would not entail negotiations? Yes, they are. The two principal ones are the everything but arms, which grants to least developed countries, LDCs, full duty-free quota free access. And the UK, as a member of the EU, is, is party to this. And the UK was very instrumental in the original discussions to, bring, to, bring, um, uh, to get this uh, arrangement accepted. The problem, of course, is that only one Caribbean country would be eligible for, for this, and that is Haiti, because this is accessible only for least developed countries. The other is the GSP and enhanced GSP. It is also um, non-reciprocal, and it provides partial or entire removal of tariffs on a substantial portion of um, product categories. Currently, no CARIFORM countries trade with the UK on the basis of GSP, and in any event, its terms are less favorable than those of the, of the EPA, which is full duty-free, quota-free um, access. The, uh, then, without preferences, one has, the, has MFN, the WTO rules most favored nation treatment, where uh, the tariff rates would be applied as normal to, um, to, ex, to, ex, to imports from the, from the Caribbean. But for the traditional products like uh, that, that I was referring to, the prospects would not be very good. Because if, for instance, uh, the Cariform countries had to compete with Brazil on sugar or with Ecuador on bananas, there's little, little, there'll be little prospect of their being able to, to sell at all. There's, on, and trade, the news is not, the news could get, it gets even worse. Because one of the, one of the immediate um, consequences of Brexit will be a, a shrinking of the UK's economy. The EU's economy will shrink as well, not only because it would have lost um, its, uh, well, its, its second largest economy, but also in, indirectly. Th that, of course, that shrinkage could be compensated in the long term, and this is what a lot of the debate has been about, as the UK negotiates um, Fav more favorable trading arrangements with third countries, this could compensate for the, the loss of its, um, of, of its market with the EU. But that, is only, that will only happen in the, in the medium to, to, to long term. It, in the short term, there will be a, a, negative, um, a negative impact. And once the economy shrinks, 
This is bad news for exporters because demand in, in, in the UK will be less, demand for goods, and so, so then the UK will be a, le a less, um, less attractive market. The other area of concern is that of development cooperation. This is where, and, and the, the Caribbean will, will definitely be, be affected. The UK currently is a major contributor to the EU's development fund, um, in, in particular the, the EDF. Of course, it is committed to um, continuing to apply the 0 0.7 of, um, of, of GNI uh, for, for, for development and hopefully it will, it, it will continue. But there could be complications. Current, the current European Development Fund, which is used by the, man, managed by the Commission for, for Development, is, is set for the period from 2014 to 2020 at 30.8 billion um, euro. And the UK is the third largest contributor uh, to that fund. It is behind um, Germany and France. It provides nearly 4.5 billion or 15% of the, of the total. And the, uh, the UK also makes a very major contribution, estimated at about 8.3 billion to the, um, to, to the overall um, development um, budget. Brexit will mean that that contribution will be lost, though um, the understanding is that there is a contractual obligation under the European Development Fund up till the year 2020. So that uh, outstanding amount between the, which would have to be paid out from March um, um, 2019 to the end of 2020, that is all um, involved in this so-called divorce, um, uh, divorce um, settlement, as, as I, I understand it. Um, now, what should the maybe maybe before I, 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 I move on to what what should be done next? There, there's one way one could look at this whole thing as um, from, from, from a long-term historical um, perspective. It, it is a, an, an opportunity for, for the Caribbean. It's the Caribbean in the, in the colonial era, era, most of the countries had been aligned to the, to the UK and with the Commonwealth preferences, they had been trading principally with the UK. After, the, after joining the, the EC, the, the Caribbean switched to trading with Europe. At this point now, it is, it is at the crossroads. And many have been saying, should one not call into question the, the EPA and that sort of, of relationship? But this, these are questions that, um, the, that the region will have to, have to consider. But I, I won't go into this. But what I want to do now is to consider what can what can the what can be done to safeguard the the Caribbean's current trade and economic interests. First of all, 
and say it would be necessary to ensure that the development assistance received from the EU and the UK would remain the same as it would have without, had Brexit not, not occurred. And also, and this is where Brexit could provide an opportunity, that maybe it could now be more in line with the development um, interest of, of, the region, of, of the region. Because a lot of development assistance is not really in line with what the recipients require, but very much sometimes in terms, in, in the perception of the donors as to what they think the, um, the, the recipients require, and sometimes even worse. Um, a, 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 a former minister of development had said some time ago uh, that development assistance should really be implied, that it should really be serving the UK's trading interests rather than having any sort of altruistic uh, motive. But that minister is no longer around. Um, the other is that the Caribbean countries' trading positions in the UK should be safeguarded from any hiatus in trade. And consequently, the duty-free, quota-free access that they currently enjoy to the UK market under the EPAs needs to continue. The Preferential margins are also needed to help in, to, to help preserve that, that 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 access. So the one requirement would be for 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 the for, for those countries that, that have that benefit to ensure that the UK continues to apply tariffs on products in which they have an interest. At, at, co continues to apply the MFN tariffs on, on those, those products such as sugar, bananas, etc. Et now what should be the, uh, what could be the elements of the strategy pursued by the Caribbean? What my, one suggestion I would have is that they should work with the ACP, the wider ACP as a group. The Caribbean is, is quite small, um, but it, given that it has had a long-standing relationship, particularly with Sub-Saharan Africa, as a block, it becomes, it becomes very significant. And even for the UK, um, I think if we use the whole of the Africa, Caribbean, and Pacific as a group, the, it, it is the fifth largest trading partner of the, of the, of the UK. So it is not in, insignificant. It should also utilize its representatives, diplomatic representatives, work, work better with the press um, here as well, the press and, and, the, and the NGOs. So in conclusion, I'd say that Brexit can pose serious threats to the Caribbean's economic interests, which should not be underestimated and ignored. And it would be vital that the UK safeguards the, its important, the important trade and development interests of, of Caribbean Caribbean suppliers. If they 
the Caribbean and other, and other regions of um, vulnerable um, countries are not to become the unintended victims of Brexit. I thank you. Thank you.